command and teach these things. Let no one despise your youth, but set the believers an example in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, in purity. Till I come, attend to the public reading of scripture, to preaching, to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given you by prophetic utterance when the council of elders laid their hands upon you. Practice these duties, devote yourself to them, so that all may see your progress. Take heed to yourself and to your teaching. Hold to that, for by so doing, you will save both yourself and your hearers. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you grew up in Baltimore between 1957 and 1964, and you were a teenager in those days, you would run home from school as fast as it was out, turn on your television set to channel 13, and there with your black and white TV, you would watch The Buddy Dean Show. The Buddy Dean Show was kind of like American Bandstand, except it wasn't syndicated nationally, it was locally only there in Baltimore. It was a, a teenage dance show where all the kids came together and they would dance. They would learn all the new dances like the mashed potato, the pony, the Madison. And they would dance and they would sing. And it was so popular among all of the teenagers of Baltimore in those days. Now, all of the kids were between the ages of 14 and 18 years old. To get on the Buddy Dean show, you had to go down and audition. You went down and you would audition. You would have to dance and maybe even do some singing. But you also had to bring with you a letter of recommendation from your preacher. Or your priest. Or a rabbi. You had to bring a letter of recommendation saying you were a person of good character. I was watching a young lady, well now a little older, she had been on it for years ago, but saying... When she went down, she had to go to her priest and say, I want to be on a TV show where I'm dancing with boys. And I need you to recommend me. And in the end, she talked him into doing it. But you had to have these kinds of recommendations. And, and if you were chosen to be on the Buddy Dean show, then you signed a contract of how you would act. You would not be late. You must be on time. You had to dress a certain way that they would tell you. Girls had to wear their hair a certain way. They could change their hairstyles, but it needed to be teased up high or have a really big flip to it. To do that, of course, it took lots of hairspray to hold it into place. If you had a daughter who was chosen to be on the Buddy Dean show, you started buying hairspray by the case, which is where the name of the musical comes from. You had to use lots of hairspray to have those hairdos the way that they did. You had to agree that you would not smoke, drink, or chew gum. You would not talk during commercials. And this wasn't just during the show. This is 24-7. You had to carry on a certain demeanor because people knew that you were on the Buddy Dean show. 
And it turned these kids into celebrities. 14, 15, 16-year-old kids were getting fan mail more than 100 pieces a week. I mean, it's unbelievable. It was such an important and popular show. The kids all looked the same, about the same height, same age. They were all thin, cute, and white. It was on 20 days a month, except that one day each month was Negro Day. One day out of the month, black kids were allowed to come and dance on the show. They would put up stanchions, and it would go right down the middle of the dance floor with rope separating one side from the other side, and the white kids could dance on one side, and the black kids on another side, but they certainly couldn't dance together. As I say, it's the most popular show they had going on in Baltimore. John Waters grew up at the same time in Baltimore. That was when he was a teenager. He grew up watching the Buddy Dean show. It was the kind of thing that he loved these kids. He thought these were the nicest kids in town. That's what they claimed to be, truly the nicest kids in town. He thought they were the best dancers he had ever seen, and he loved watching the show. When he grew up, he went on to start making movies, though the movies he made were pretty far out. They were not mainstream. But 20 years later, in 1984, there was a reunion of the Buddy Dean dancers. And he went to the show. He went to the show, uh, the reunion, because he wanted to see these kids that he had watched so many years ago and what had happened in their lives. He wanted to write an article about them. But when he went to the reunion and he saw the kids and interviewed them, he realized he had more than an article here. He felt he had a script that would be appropriate for a movie. And so he started working on this movie, and it came out in 1988, and it was called Hairspray. And it was a huge success. The movie had many themes, but the main ones were racism, It dealt with the issue of discrimination and race. Social pressures, the social pressure to conform, to look and act in a certain way. It dealt with body types, body shape, body shaming. It dealt with the need to be willing to dare to follow your dreams. Put it all together. And it was a great show. This morning, I want to continue on with this sermon series, St. Luke's on Broadway, in which we're looking at some of the most successful Broadway shows and the values that they will talk about and the values that we believe we find in our Scripture. This week, we want to look at hairspray. And when I started looking at all these different themes, these values in hairspray, immediately I thought of the Bible character of Timothy. Now, Timothy is not somebody we talk about all the time, and you don't find out about Timothy in just one place in an easy story like you might find about King David or uh, Joseph like we looked at last week. These chapters, you know the story of Joseph. No, to find out about Timothy, you've got to read different places in the book of Acts, and you can read in Corinthians and Philippians and Paul's letters to Timothy, lots of places to kind of piece together a story. So let's remember Timothy. 
We know that Paul met Timothy on a second missionary journey when he got to Lystra. Timothy's mother and grandmother had been Jewish, but they had converted to the Christian faith. They raised Timothy as a strong Christian. And now as a teenager, a young man, Timothy was someone of of great integrity and impressed already in the church. And when Paul came and got to know Timothy, Timothy wanted to go with Paul on these missionary journeys. And Lois and Eunice agreed to let him go. And so he headed off with Silas and Paul to go on these missionary journeys. And Paul gave him all kinds of important jobs, like they'd be in Corinth, carry a letter to another one of the churches, or they were in Ephesus, carry a letter to Corinth. He then had to kind of defend Paul's thinking and help solve problems in the church. It wasn't always easy. But we know that Paul thought very highly of Timothy. He would call him my son in the faith. In his letter to the Philippians, he would say, There is none like Paul to this church or to me. He thought very highly of Timothy. But we also know that Timothy struggled. We believe that Timothy maybe was shy, maybe was timid. In Paul's letter to to Timothy, he even writes to him and says, Remember, Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear or timidity. That's probably because Timothy sometimes was fearful, shy, timid. And probably the reason was because he was so young. We believe Timothy struggled in some of the places because here you have this youngster showing up and bringing Paul's letters and defending the theology and the faith and people didn't want to hear about it because he was a young person. And that's why in our scripture lesson this morning we have Paul writing to Timothy and saying, do not let others despise you because of your youth. Ah, because you're young, People are judging you. They won't listen to you. They despise you because of your youth. Isn't it interesting how often we are judged by things that are so unimportant? How often you and I judge others with things that are so unimportant. There's a significant theme in this show and certainly one that resonated In 1988, the show was very successful, so much so that they just, it was in 1998 that Margot Lyon was a producer of Broadway plays, musicals, and she was looking for a new project, and she got the flu. She knew she was going to be at home recuperating for a while, so she went to the movie store to get a bunch of movies, hoping something would spark some creativity. She picked up a whole stack of movies and took them home to watch them, and one of them was Hairspray. And when she saw the movie, she immediately said, that's it. She called John Waters to try to gain the rights, to get permission. She began going through all this and finally got the permission and told John Waters, you can be as involved or as much or as little as you want. He wanted to be involved. But then she had to figure out who's going to write the book. That is, who's going to take this from this movie and make it into a Broadway musical, write the book, write the story. And she turned to Thomas Meehan. Now that name ought to ring a bell for you if you were here last year. 
Because Thomas Meehan, we looked at last year because he wrote the book for Annie, Little Orphan Annie. We looked at that last year. Now, when Thomas Meehan wrote the book for Orphan Annie, we looked at this last year. He was in his 40s. His life was falling apart. He had never had success. He was struggling. And Annie went big. Annie was on Broadway for 2,320 shows. It won a Tony Award for Best Book of a Musical. It was a huge hit for him. He followed it up by writing The Producers. And it ran on Broadway for 2,502 shows. And again, he won a Tony Award for Best Book of a Musical. He now is being asked to follow up with Hairspray. And he wrote the story of Hairspray, and it was on Broadway for 2,642 shows, more than any other ones of his shows, and it won eight Tony Awards, nominated for 13, and won Best Book for a Musical. He is the only writer to have three shows that he has written to play for more than 2,000 performances. It's incredible. But what I thought was fascinating was when Margot Lyon asked him to go write this book for the musical about high school students, he was 73 years old. Who would have imagined going to a 73-year-old to say, could you write the story for a high school musical? I wonder how many people said, well, you're too old. How often do we get judged on things that are not important? Timothy, do not let people despise you for your youth or for being too old. We get judged for many things and we judge others for many things that are not important. It is the theme of the musical Hairspray. And it's what I'm wanting us to look at this morning. And there's three things that I want us to see. First of all, it is Paul who does say to Timothy, do not let people despise, do not let others despise you for your youth. Which tells us people were despising Timothy for his youth. That was the problem. And the great issue is, it sure is easy to start believing that and letting yourself get pulled down. You see, Paul really is saying here, Timothy, don't despise yourself. Don't despise yourself for your youth. How easy it is for us to despise ourselves because of the way that we have been judged by others. When you look at the show, the, the musical, Hairspray, you start seeing these themes. And, and as I said, one of the major themes is race. It's all about racism and the struggles between black and white. But another one of the major themes in the show is about body type and body shaming. You see, when he started looking at the, um, the show, the buddy show, he looked at the, the people who were all on the show, the Buddy Dean show, 
And as I said, they all looked pretty much the same. Same pretty much height, very thin, very cute, very white. And it occurred to John Waters that there's no person on the show who is large, overweight, black. No, he decided to write the person who was going to be the star of the show, Tracy, to be a 17-year-old high school girl who was overweight, who had a great dream. She wanted to risk and dream the dream of being on the Buddy Dean Show. That was her dream, be on the Buddy Dean Show. But how could she possibly go audition? Her mother, Edna, well, she was a really large woman. And she really struggled with body image and self-esteem. So her mother had not left the house for 11 years. What would people think? What would people say? And she was so afraid for her daughter to go audition. What would people say and think and how would she be treated? And so this really becomes the the theme of of the show, this issue of body image. Now, I, I was reading some interviews with some of the kids who had been dancers on the Buddy Dean show. And one of those was Mary Lou Barber. Mary Lou Barber was probably the most popular of all the girls. She was kind of the Annette Funicello of Baltimore. She received more fan mail than anybody. And 20 years later, when they were having the reunion and John Waters was interviewing her, he was talking about the show and what had gone on and asked her questions about it. And I want to read you what she said. He had asked her, did you go see the musical Hairspray? I watched Hairspray and I thought, I remember that. I remember that. People were laughing. And sometimes it was hard knowing what they were laughing at. He made it very authentic. You know, a black girl could have gotten on the show easier than a fat girl. When Ricky Lake, as Tracy in the movie, goes to audition, people make fun of her. I don't think a fat girl ever came to audition. The expectations and the social pressure to where we begin to be judged and despise ourselves. I went to our staff and I began saying, are there social pressures on social media and the internet about body types? They looked at me like, Bob, where have you been? (laughs) I'm not on all those kinds of things. I don't have kids that... They immediately got me on the internet, started pulling me up. Oh, yes, here was the thigh gap challenge, the quarter challenge, the paper challenge, the bikini challenge. There were so many different things about body types of what you're supposed to look like. And, and then so many comments about from people who didn't look that way. And you'd see it online and in magazines and those who don't live up to this standard. And, and you know, I remember when I was a kid, people got teased by a person or two in their school for the way they may have looked wearing glasses or being overweight or whatever. But now with social media and the internet, it can be a hundred kids or a thousand kids and your picture is there and they pile on and they can make such fun of you. It's like nothing we've ever seen before. 
it is cyberbullying. And you can only imagine how a teenager is feeling with all these people having such an opinion. Do you look the correct way? Or telling you how badly you do look. It's hard for me to imagine the pressure. Do not despise yourself, Paul would say. It is easy to be judged for things that do not matter by somebody else. And then it is easy to judge yourself for those things that did not matter. Paul said, Timothy, do not despise yourself. Secondly, Paul would say, do not neglect the gift that has been given to you. You see, there were gifts that were given to Timothy. Gifts like, you had a wonderful mom and grandmother. They raised you in the Christian faith, gave you a good foundation. You got to go with Paul on missionary journey. Who wouldn't have wanted that opportunity to go with Paul? No, you had the ability to speak. You're smart. You, you have great thoughts. You're a leader. Timothy, do not neglect your gifts. But you see, the problem is, when you despise yourself, you tend to not see your gifts. Because you already feel so bad about who you are, you neglect the gifts that God has given to you. And so we miss the opportunities before us. The Broadway play was such a hit. It ran six years on Broadway. As I told you, over 2,600 shows. It won its eight Tony Awards. Um, And it was so successful that it was fascinating. In the end, Margot Lyons said that what started happening, they were noticing how many children were coming to the show. They had to go to the theater and begin asking them, would you get booster seats here in the, the theater? Because so many people are bringing children. They want them to see the discussion of these values and these issues. Well, they decided to go ahead and make the show now back into a movie. So it was made in a movie in 1988, went to Broadway in 2002, and back to being a movie in 2007. When they're going to make this movie, now it's going to have Michelle Pfeiffer and John Travolta. They knew it was going to be big. And so they started a search for Tracy. And they decided to do a nationwide search. They announced ahead of time they're going to be going to this city and that city and this city. They were going to travel across America. Here are the dates they would be there. And you could sign up, audition, fill out your application. Some would get interviews. And they were going to try to look for the new Tracy. They wanted a 17-year-old girl, overweight, who could sing and dance. And so they started traveling around. Well, right off the bat, they got a, an interview from uh, Nikki Blonsky. Nikki Blonsky was from Long Island, New York. She sent in her application. She sent in a tape of herself. And they viewed it. And immediately that they said, we think we just found our Nikki. But they hated jumping on that so fast, they decided we really do need to go all across the country and carry out the search. But they thought this could be it. They brought her into the soundstage 
and gave her a, an audition on the soundstage. And John Travolta said, she was amazing. She came from a working family. She had no training in music, no voice lessons, no dance lessons. She had no previous experience, nothing professionally. She was dipping ice cream at the Cold Stone Creamery. And they said she came in and she got on the soundstage and she was magic. Well, it took eight months for them to go all the way across the United States. And when they came to the end, they were saying, we already found her back at the beginning in Long Island. So it had been months now. She was working in Cold Stone Creamery. And one evening, some men showed up and said, you know, we want to come back and follow up with you on the audition you did. There's a couple of other things we need to take care of. They opened up the computer and there live was the producer who said, Nikki, I want to offer you the part. 17 years old, she was going to be a movie star. And she was great. If you see the show, she was great. This beautiful smile. She can dance and sing her personality. And I watched all that and knew her background. And I thought to myself, how many things do you and I miss out in life because we neglect the gifts that have been given to us? We have let other people judge us on things that are unimportant. They despise us for something and we begin to despise ourselves and so we neglect the gifts that have been given to us. Paul is trying to say to Timothy, Timothy, you know the grace of God. You are loved for who you are. God has given you gifts and opportunities. Timothy, don't despise yourself. Don't neglect the gifts that God has given you. And so third, he says, Timothy, set an example through your speech and your conduct in your love. Set an example in your speech and conduct of love. It's when you and I choose to live in love that our lives begin to take on a sense of meaning and joy and God can use us to help change the world. Now, the fact that you're here today, I know some of you have not seen the, the show Hairspray, and so I'm really sorry, but this is spoiler alert. And I don't expect to see anybody getting up and leaving. That's the way it goes. You came. If you hadn't seen the show, well, what's going to happen is Nikki is going to go down, and she is going to go audition, and she's going to wind up on the show. Against all odds, this overweight girl, she winds up on the show. And Nikki inspires her mother. And her mother goes out for the first time in 11 years. And she even goes on show and dances on the show. And Nikki, well, she will get the guy. The young man, Link, who is the heartthrob that every woman wants, uh, he falls in love with Nikki. She gets the guy. She gets to know some of the black kids there. And they become great friends. 
and she becomes upset that they only get to dance once a month on Negro Day, and she wants them to dance every day on the buddy on the uh, Corny Collins show. That's what it's called on the show. They should dance every day on the Corny Collins show. So she marches with them in protest to the station for their civil rights. They need to be a part of the show. And because she gets onto the show, so do, so do some of these black kids, and they dance, and little Inez, well, they have a contest, a contest where people are phoning in their votes, kind of like um, all the shows that we have right now of um, Dancing with the Stars. People are calling in, and little Inez wins. And so Corny Collins is out there and he's saying, do you know what this means? It means you're the lead dancer on the Corny Collins show. And that means today and forever we are now integrated. Yeah, that's exactly. Everybody starts clapping. Everybody gets excited. They're all applauding. The kids are all thrilled. And you see the black and white kids dancing together. You people of size dancing together. It's this wonderful moment. And that's the end of the show. When they interviewed John Lake about it, he said, you know, this is my fantasy of how it all ends. It could have ended this way. It should have ended this way. But it didn't. No, the truth of the way it ended was that in 1964, integration was coming and the kids were very happy to dance with black and white together, but the parents were so against it, they said, our children will not dance with people of color. And the producers of the show didn't know what to do about it, and so they canceled it. It went off in 1964. And of course, what began to happen in Baltimore were marches and protests and riots. And if you watched last night Ray Lewis being inducted into the NFL Hall of Fame, he's played for Baltimore for years and years. And his speech was all about all the struggles and racism in Baltimore today. 56 years later, all the struggles going on today. It could have ended different. It should have ended different. If people had not despised each other and judged each other over things that did not matter, if people had not despised themselves, if people had not neglected the gifts that they had been given, if they had made the decision to live in an example, speech and conduct of love, it could have ended different. When Paul died, Timothy wasn't Paul, so things were different. He didn't keep running from church to church or city to city trying to start a church and writing letters. No, Timothy went and settled into Ephesus. As far as we know, he settled into Ephesus and he began growing that church because that's who Timothy was. 
to stay, to get to know the people, to love the people, to grow the church. And we believe that Timothy became the first bishop of the church in Ephesus, which was an extremely strong church. So much because of all the work of Timothy. We believe that Timothy lived to be 80 years old. And in that day, that was quite the age. 80 years old. He helped to change Ephesus and strengthen this church in an incredible way. And at 80 years old, there was a a parade of Diana, the Roman god of the forest and animals. And he was preaching about the love of Christ and how we worship only God and not we don't worship Diana. And people felt like he was raining on their parade and so they stoned him to death. 80 years old, he became a martyr, just like his mentor Paul and the 12 disciples. He wasn't timid, Timothy, anymore. No, he lived with meaning. He lived with purpose. He lived in love. He lived a life that made a difference and a life that we still remember 2,000 years later. What's the end of your story going to be? Don't despise yourself. Don't listen to the judgments of others over those things that are not important. Don't neglect your dreams. The gifts that have been given to you For I believe God continues to give you gifts and dreams. Make a choice. A choice to speak and live in a spirit of love. You know the love of Christ. So share God's love and bring hope in this world. It is God who will help you to write a happy ending. It's how it can end. It's how it should end. It's in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Let each of us lift up our own silent prayer. Amen.